Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date the 30th of January 2022. So, uh, good news, found somewhere for us to stay, and it's not in England, so that'll make you happy. It's not Scotland, sorry, but it is Camelot, the Camelot, which it turns out is in Wales. Haven't met the king or the queen, and Merlin isn't around, so you're not missing much, apart from me. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and let's get things started on the Big Finish show today. (laughs) Any minute now, Benji and I will be chatting about the death of certain phrases, just apropos of nothing really. Then it'll be time for the good review guide featuring the worlds of Blake 7, Avalon, Volume 1, and Thunderbirds, Terror from the Stars. The filigree is buzzing with talk of Jenna Stannis lately. Five... Following that, we're off behind the scenes with Rory Williams as he returns in The Lone Centurion Volume 2, Camelot. It's only a model. (laughs) I I see what you did there. It's only a model. Hello, I'm Arthur Darvill. I play Rory Williams. Yes, it's a silly place. Uh, Then, as many of you have come to expect, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcastbigfinish.com, full of your comments and questions. In our also available segment, we'll be previewing futuristic archaeologist Bernice Summerfield's latest audiobook, The Slender Fingered Cats of Bubastis. Well said as well. Well Thank you, thank you. I've been practicing. Hello, my name's Lisa Bowerman, and I am playing, or have played, or are playing, Bernice Summerfield. Well, then the randomoid selector trial will once again be giving you a staggering 25% discount on the randomly selected. Big Finish release. What did you mean by pure blood? We round things off, uh, of course, with a free 15-minute drama tease of The Lone Centurion, The Once and Future Nurse by Alfie Shaw and starring the rather wonderful Arthur Darville. The news has spread that Merlin returned late last night. Perhaps he visited and set things straight while my assistant slept. Merlin? Actual Merlin? Does he have a pointy hat? Uh, And a cloak covered in stars? So I just wanted to say before we discuss the uh, dying (laughs) phrases that the uh, it's only a model thing that we'll keep saying is from Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they all go, Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. And then someone goes, it's only a model. (laughs) I love it. What I can't, can't say Camelot without saying it's only Camelot. a model. only a model. So yeah. I found out these phrases which are going out of use. Uh, and I wonder whether you listeners, what, what you've got them in front of you there, Benji. Anything mm. uh, like Pearl, the number one is Pearls Before Swine. 78% of people asked never use the phrase and don't know what it is. Yeah, I must admit, I don't think I've ever heard that one, actually. Really? Oh, Pearls Before Swine means, you know, great, um, significant work of beauty thrown before people who are too stupid to appreciate it. That's very interesting. I see, didn't there is a generation. Nail your colours to the mast. Do you know that one? Yes, I know that one, yes. That's, that's, you know, declare your position very clearly. I'm going to nail my colours to the mast here. I love Revenge of the Cybermen. I know people don't like it, but I do like it. Uh, 71% people don't know what it is, never use it. Colder than a witch is what? Can't say that. Uh. <laughs> Here's one that, that nobody uses, but but is dead as a doornail. 
is a fantastic it's a fantastic thing to say but yeah was, you know i heard door knocker quite a lot dead as a door knocker with dead as a yeah dead as a dormouse is another one you hear don't you as well really i've, I've heard not that, heard yeah, that, that one because they're before. not necessarily dead are they keen as mustard keen as must smart as paint um, that's from uh, Treasure Island. Is it? Um, Ke- had yeah. you heard of Keener's Mustard? I'd heard of Keener's Mustard, yeah. It's quite an old wartime saying, isn't it? Is it? A um, fly in the ointment. I had to know that because of uh, Death to the Daleks. Where the flies. The nasty fly. Yeah, what was it? The, flies oh, in a very nasty, nasty jar, of, jar of, ointment. of ointment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, had you heard, by the way, about A Stitch in Time Saves Nine? Because I, I've heard of it. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I mean, I've never... I've never... I don't know what it means, actually. I think a stitch in time saves nine. I think it's about. I think it's about if you put the time into something, you will reap the benefits. <laughs> Is that which right? again, probably nobody says reap the benefits. But um, tickety boo. Love tickety boo. Which means everything's fine. Uh, loads of load of codswallop. I say that all the time. I know you do. All the load of old codswallop. <laughs> what is actually codswallop? Is it like the intestines of a cod? Let's have a look. Cod's- codswallop. Uh, it doesn't Cod's say. Wallop. It just says, I think that's the right load of old codswallop. What is Words or ideas that are foolish or untrue. But uh, does it not come from some... When was the word codswallop first used? 1959. First attested... Codswallop appears to be a relatively young term, perhaps originating from the from wallop, beer, and cod in one of the, its various senses. Perhaps <gasps> something rude. Uh, genitalia. Oh, so it's... <laughs> So it's sort of rude, actually, Codswallop. Good Lord. It's beer, beer and balls. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> anyway, no. sorry, I didn't realise we were going down that route. Dropped a clanger. That's a Dropped good one, a isn't clanger's it? You know a great that one. one. Yeah. Takes the biscuits. A curtain twitcher. Cur- oh, yeah, we've all met a curtain twitcher See, before. See, 56% of people didn't know what it meant and didn't use it. Is, does this so do, does this percentage equate to people not knowing what it means, or just that people don't use it? I suppose it would be that it would be both, wouldn't it? I suppose so. Yeah, and that's a good point. Because I, I, I mean, mean there, I, there there are plenty here that like I know what they mean, but I don't think I would. I don't think I would actively, you know, I don't think I'd actively use them. I mean, there there are some you know things like drop them a line. You know, yeah. I've I've used that before, but I mean, I'm I'm not going to say it that often. No. Just drop me a line about it and we'll sort it out later, sort of thing. Um, uh, my son, who's 12, he turns 13 this year. He, there are 50 of these phrases and we're not going to read them all out, don't worry, folks. <laughs> You've not found the wrong podcast. Or maybe you have. That'd be a turn up for the books. Hey! <laughs> um, he... I think there was only about three of this list of 50 that he knew what they meant and had heard of. Mm. And he said it was only because I'd said them, but he didn't use them. And he hit, and I'm just thinking when we're writing sort of like third doctor stories, second doctor stories, first doctor, we should get some of these phrases in, shouldn't we, to make it more period authentic. More of its time. I yeah. just love them so much. And I feel slightly, I know language has to change and evolve. And I bet there are loads of phrases that people much younger than me use that are just completely, I know there are loads of phrases like that are completely lost to me. I read them and I think, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I first started noticing that the language was deviating away from my comfort zone when people said, that's my bad. And the, the first time I read it, I said, sorry, have you missed, t- there's a, you know, your bad what? My yeah. bad. 
That's an Americanism, I think, yeah. isn't it? As I, well. I still hate that phrase, but it's part of the language and I'm irrational to hate it. Storm in a teacup's a good one. I often that's a, use that. That's, yeah, storm in a teacup. Is, is and, that the name of an eighth Doctor story? Oh. Storm warning. I feel like storm in a teacup is something we've done, though. No, um, I don't think so. Surely not, surely. Well, there was one there that I wanted to mention and now I can't actually find it. Oh. Couldn't organise a up in a brewery. I still think a lot of people say that one, you see. I, I still feel like... But then, obviously, Nick was talking to you the other day and, and you've experienced that people haven't. Exactly. Um, yeah, I didn't know what one... I, I made an, an allusion to it in a, an email to the group when we, I felt we'd messed something up. I said, and additionally, I was thinking of organising um, a a beer drinking uh, party in a place where they brew beer but I expect we'd mess that up too and no one understood what I meant <laughs> not enough room to swing a cat <laughs> well, so that's, that's a great Alan Partridge line isn't it where he says uh, it's, uh, it's big enough to swing a cat in here wouldn't want to though <laughs> <laughs> Knickers in a twist, really, is that really... That's brilliant, isn't it? Was it legend in their own lifetime? But a lot of people now say legend in your own lunchtime, don't they? I say that on purpose. I think it's when people make a big deal of themselves that's not, um, you know, perhaps uh, justified. So I say, yeah, they're they're a bit of a legend in their own lunchtime. I suppose, really, the, the crux of a lot of these things is that these were things that were said fairly regularly at a certain point in time whereas yes. now they are things that are only really said uh, by people either making an effort to say them or saying them because it's something that's always been said in your close circle perhaps your family yeah, yeah. so you know for example people going around saying um, you know uh, everything's tickety-boo well unless you've grown up in a household where people are always saying things like, well, that's tickety-boo, isn't it? Oh, pip, You're not going to say it. Or, or yeah, like, pip-pip's a great one. Like, maybe you will make the cause to say, like, oh, all right, Nick, yes, pip-pip, and we'll laugh about it. But I don't think I'd ever turn around to somebody I don't know very well and say, all right, then, pip-pip, because you'd feel like a fool. But um, An old fool. Well, you know, interesting enough, so lately I, I went right back to the beginning and um, was watching the first ever episodes of Coronation Street from 1960. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is really interesting because... That's an old British soap for those of you listening who don't yes. know. Yes, thank you, Nick. Yes, very old British soap about working class northern families. Still going um, today and, and the top lang- rated. And the language in that is is so interesting because it's almost like a foreign language when you mm. hear the way in which people talk. And what is fascinating about this is that the dialogue from that was picked up by Tony Warren, who is the guy yeah, who created. Yeah. A lot of the language that he heard was when he was a boy, and he used to he used to hide under the table at his I think it was his auntie's or his mm. granny's house, <laughs> and would listen to the various people that came to visit her in the kitchen and the language and the way that they spoke to one another yeah so what is really interesting is even at the point of broadcast in 1960 a lot of the language that you are hearing it's old-fashioned is actually old-fashioned by that standpoint so you can kind of see that trend of where you know a lot of these are real wartime phrases i think looking at them you Mm. know you see things in there you know he's mad as a hatter uh, you know, it's raining cats and dogs out there. He's a good egg. He takes the biscuit. Things like that, you know, are selling like hotcakes. They're they're things that 
people don't say, but I spent at one point in time they would would have said all the time. I, most of these phrases I would easily say in a conversation if they became appropriate. At some, you know what I mean? I'd say, yeah. oh, I had a bit of a chinwag with so-and-so. And I find it really weird that people don't say that anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I off say- the back of a lorry. I love the idea that people don't. So if people don't, you speak to a young policeman and he said, where'd you get that? So he said, and you say it fell off the back of a lorry. He'd say, oh, did it? Really? <laughs> and oh, not wow. realise that that means it's, find. it's stolen. <laughs> because that it's was the excuse people goods. used to use. So, you know, you assumed... Um, Anyway, all of this has been a bit of a turn up for the books as far as I can see, you know, after we've had a bit of a gander. But I'm chuffed to bits we've been able to talk about it. Well, quite, Nick, I don't want to steal your thunder, but it is now time for the Good Review Guide. So we should probably uh, probably crack a lack on. Uh, So the Good Review Guide uh, finds the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions and helps recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at the World of Blake 7, Avalon, Volume 1, and Thunderbirds, Terror from the Stars. Let's start. I don't know why I said it like that. I said that sounded like a dog name. Terror, terror from the Stars. Damn shit, damn. Uh, it's the Big Finish podcast dog. Terror from the Stars. He always says I'm just that. thinking of Spit the Dog now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking of. The big Finnish dog who just goes, Terror from the stars. Uh, sausages. Let's start with Blake Seven. From Big Finish Productions, Blake Seven, Avalon, Volume One. I understand your caution. The filigree is buzzing with talk of Jenna Stannis lately. You're making quite a name for yourself. Thank you. It wasn't a compliment. The last thing you need in your line of business is a reputation. I could say the same for you. If anyone suspected for a second that the infamous terrorist, pardon me, freedom fighter Avalon was strolling through their midst. You're wrong. It's not the same. I want them to know my name. A name has power. I'm going to be sent to a prison planet or a frontier world then, never to be heard of again. Tell me about Avalon, and I'll see what I can do about changing that part of your future. Oh, I do have a future. You do? How long it lasts, that's up to you. Now tell me about Avalon. Say hi for him, Jenna. Grab his gun. What do you think I'm trying to do? It doesn't seem to want to let go of it. I've got them. Chalice. Avalon, Madison, the computer girl, even one of the outsiders, John Weston himself. They're all here in the dome planning a big operation against the Federation. (laughs) Big operation? Four people? Resistance operating closed cells, you know that, but this is the cell, Avalon. We can get her, I can get her, tonight. Dad, let's take a break. Leave the prisoner hooked up. Leaving the machine unmonitored risks burning out his brain, sir. Yeah, I know. Any beater stupid enough to get caught in a trap like that deserves all they get. Harsh, 
I'm not here to play games, Faye. Finish. We love stories. We'll just go to bigfinish.com and type Avalon. Avalon. I was waiting. You haven't said that. You haven't done that bit of marvellous copyright breaking singing. What can I say? I, I do love a bit of Brian Ferry. Absolutely. Um, which bit? Which bit do you like? His ankles? Or? Uh, just, just his left foot. Actually. I like his, his, his right one's not as nice. I like his floppy hair. <laughs> he has got good. He looks good in a suit. Is yeah, it, was it the very, man born yeah, in a yeah. suit as Noel Fielding? Floppy hair and lovely rabbit. There we go. That's that's that's. If that's not going on a t-shirt, I don't know what is. But what type is? Avalon into the search pane at the top, right. and okay. you can get hold of this one. <gasps> so first up, warpfactor.com. Tony Flyer. It says here, but it's not Filer. again. Gosh. Yeah, I know it's Tony Filer, son of Bill Filer from the Claws of Axos. Um, not Tony Flyer, who sounds like some kind of circus act, doesn't it? <laughs> and now the fantastic Tony Flyer will shoot himself out of a cannon into the air and onto the net below. That was fantastic trumpeteering as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, uh, he's exploded. Oh, he's, he's a pile of, of paint. Um, <laughs> the universe of Blake 7 is expanding. Avalon is taking up the fight. And with the likes of Stephen Greif providing a bridge between this world and the world of Blake, and the likes of Cliff Chapman and Becky Wright supporting Olivia Poulet's confident central figure, Avalon, Volume 1 is a great way to start opening up the Federation's universe. The Resistance is back, and it sounds brilliant. Oh, what a lovely bit of writing, and beautifully read, I felt, Thank you very Benji. Much. Thank yeah. you. Thank I give you 10 out of 10, Benji. Oh. Oh, and I give you. Tony uh, Flyer, the amazing Tony Flyer of Carnival and Circus fame. <laughs> Shut up! Um, I, gi- I give him 11 out of three and a half because I'm so impressed. That's very good. Hmm. Solid solid ranking. It's good. Uh, IndieMacUser.co.uk, Ian McArdle, spelt correctly. We must uh, commend the uh, correct typing when we see it. The Avalon series reeks of potential. <laughs> we both did the same thing. Oh, that's potential. It's just... Pool. That's a clang of that one. <laughs> what? Uh, offering a fascinate... We should absolutely cultivate using all those phrases in completely the wrong context. He's dropped a clanger. Yeah, just get them wrong constantly. <laughs> God, well, gonna, he's, he's, he's only gone and taken the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go and steal that thunder. Uh, offering a fascinating view askew on the Blake 7 universe. And this first volume is a great start. Terror from the stars. Sorry, sorry, wrong release. <laughs> is it a dog or is it a businessman with a sort of cigar in his mouth? Right, I'm going to give you a terror from the stars. Buy it from... T- yeah, so anyway, I'll give that five out of five. 
Well, cultsbox.co.uk Rich Cross, who fell off the back of a lorry, says, uh, I hope you're all right, Rich. Uh, Avalon has a long way to go before she needs two hands to count up the number of crew members on her team. But on the basis of this first volume, there's a good reason to have confidence that Avalon's army is here to stay. And that's five stars, four blue ones and one white one. I mean, we would ask Nissa what? McKinnon, but, you know... it enough's enough <laughs> yeah that, that just opens up a whole can of yeah Nissa McKinnon words. who's written into the podcast a few times and we, we've been having a bit of a laugh with her about her correspondence she actually did write another one uh, where she thanked us both but said please don't, please don't publish this one so fair <laughs> enough Nissa well done to you um so though I I give that for oh, 11 out of uh um, in that uh out of 12 yeah Numbers are so important, aren't they? They certainly are in this next name, then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, Blake7online.com, and this is from M1795537 OCVIRN. Fans may debate the merits of having a spin off series, but if the future Av- Avalon volumes live up to this standard, I think they'll be happy. Um, 10 out of 10. Oh, that's, that was waiting, you see. I, I didn't want to be no, presumptuous. No, um, well, next up, Nick, it's Thunderbirds, and I'm going to let the dog announce the title of this one. Terror from the Stars! There we go, and if you want to send the dog some lozenges, I expect it'll need some by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Have a tune. The dog will change into a little horse. <laughs> very good. Feeling a little very horse. Good. Yeah, I'm not very good, that one. Five... Four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Right, it speaks fantastic. Nothing shall withstand me. The Rolls Royce, please, Parker. Yes, belated. Scott, can you read me? Scott. We shall take over your world. Miss that guy, he'll stop at nothing. One shot, and the nerve center of international rescue will be destroyed. Anderson Entertainment presents Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Thunderbirds. If you don't know how to spell that, I, I, I really despair of you. Into the search pane at the top to launch yourself on an international rescue mission. First up, warpfactor.com, Matthew Kressel says, whether you're a fan of the original series looking for a nostalgia rush or someone new to Thunderbirds, chances are this will leave you smiling from ear to ear. Uh, ear to ear. From ear to eternity. Uh, not to mention proclaiming that Thunderbirds are go. Turf of the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name of this next website, by the way. Securityhazard.net. That was the security hazard. This is Jack Knoll speaking to you live from the submarine that's sinking terror from the stars is nothing short of a miracle there are so many things that could have gone wrong voices that just didn't sound right music that strayed too far from barry gray's work modern sound design which washed out the charm of the original series the finished product however is thoroughly researched and respectful production which culminates in an utterly thrilling adventure uh, transporting listeners back to thunderbirds we all know and love 
Well, there oh, we go. That's lovely. Thought, that's lovely. In there, I thought I thought we were going down a right right rabbit rabbit hole there. Rabbit, not a dog. Turn the stars. Dog, dog hole. <laughs> Little horse. Um, I give that twenty out of ten. Listen, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time we'll be talking about oh ho ho. No, that isn't a title. That's just me building <laughs> it's not up. Kenneth Moore, is it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Kenneth Moore, <laughs> amazing actor. Out of Time Two, starring Kenneth Moore. Sorry, uh, David Tennant and Kenneth um, uh, Peter Moore Davison <laughs> as the tenth and Douglas Bader fifth Doctors. <laughs> Still to come on the podcast, naturally, there's listeners' emails oh. sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and are also available segment featuring oh. Bernice Summerfield, the slender finger cats of Bubastis. It's Bubastis, not Bubastis, Bu- yeah. Oh, bubonic plague. Bubastis. But first, it's time to don our chainmail. Wield a sword. I meant to write, but I put, but I put weird a sword. I don't know what that is. <laughs> a weird Ooh. sword. Why have you got that weird sword? Oh, it's made of banana. Mm-hmm. Wield a sword or two and delve behind the scenes with the Lone Centurion, Volume Two, Camelot. It's only a model. <laughs> is there a reason you haven't got a top on? Oh, it is not my armor that requires your restorative touch, but my body. Good point. What's the problem? Oh, oh, broken stitches. I was teaching the new recruits how to parry when I felt the wound reopen. I wondered if it was because my muscles were too large. That's the movement that will do it. Nothing to do with how big you are. Oh. Hello, my name's Alfie Shaw, and I wrote that the once and future nurse. Anyone will roughly know the story of... King Arthur. And so that's just a lovely gap to fill. The box has a guardian. Some kind of magical defender. A centurion. The gap in the Doctor Who timeline that these box sets fill is a really interesting and wonderful gap for storytelling because you've got the whole gamut of human history from the the Roman times through to 2010 to fill. The... Camelot. Opening a box set is always an interesting ask because you're having to set up all these different characters and the world to have these really big personalities, particularly like Arthur being an idiot and having being able to introduce this mad torturer who who's really proud of his job and keeps trying to sort of upsell different tortures and I'm going oh can we get away with this and, this, and you guys were going um, yeah go great do more you know really up the, up that and have these sort of off the wall characters it's a pleasure Mr Rory how are you finding your torture today I can't say I'm enjoying it hello I'm Arthur Darvel I play Rory Williams hello I'm Hugh Skinner and I'm playing Lancelot hello I'm Leander Lewis Niao and I play Guinevere. Hello, I'm Richard Clifford and I play Merlin. Hello, I'm Barnaby Edwards and I play Malthus and a few other people. Hi, I'm Sam Stafford and I play King Arthur. It is Camelot. We t- we talked about Camelot and it sounded like such a fun idea. I just really love the tone that, that they've taken with it. It's really silly and really great. Good. Great. Keep doing that. It was a complete revelation to me, which, of course, is the best thing in this world of lockdown that we're in at the moment, is to do something 
that is not reverent. I, I like the way that it's got, um, as you often get with very, very good kind of Sherlock Holmes adaptations, it's very sort of modern feeling. So it takes the classic characters that you know, but it's not kind of giving you them as you know them. And it's introducing a lovely sort of humour all the way through it. I think it's a really, really sharp and funny script because it's just on that edge. And because it's on that edge, it's a real sort of uh, roller coaster ride. I really enjoyed it. Your condition is severe. I fear we will have to take both your legs. I think for for me, uh, playing Arthur, I was really pleasantly surprised at the uh, in the way that it it's kind of flipped him on his head. <laughs> your Highness, take that rebellious food and have it executed for treason. I had a lot of fun. Um, I know I knew a little about Lady Guinevere. I mean, like sort of coming from South Africa, you kind of like hear the stories. I mean, I just like playing women who are fed up with incompetent husbands. I look forward to working with you, Sir Rory. I'm sure it will be to everyone's benefit. It's written so brilliantly, and that that power play is so interesting, isn't it? And and you know him being magic, um, but Rory kind of having more information. And I don't know. It's the 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 challenge of not revealing his secret whilst still remaining alive and winning and uh, trying to be a good person and trying to do best for for everyone around is um you know the stakes are the stakes are really high with some really serious obstacles in his path it is it's only a model i like the best bit where they whack somebody over the head with a big wheel of cheese and a little <laughs> dance that always yes. makes me happy dun, 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 dun. Boom, boom. when so dice good. to the round table oh, and that guy that's hanging and he's just he just just clacks together his wrists with the shackles. Yes. Fantastic. Well, you don't have to do any of that. It's You don't have to hit anybody with a wheel of cheese. In fact, I would say uh, don't do that. It's probably very dangerous. Good Instead, advice. go to bigfinish.com and type Camelot. It's only a model. No, don't type that. Don't, don't type the <laughs> just, just Camelot. Uh, Camelot. Camelot. Uh, into the search pane to get into the medieval mood with Rory Williams. And don't forget that at the end of this podcast we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of this great new box set starring Arthur Darvel and Hugh Skinner among many other superb actors. But now it's time for me to say it's listeners' emails. Well, you don't have to go back to medieval times to... to experience an email because they didn't exist and quite frankly you'd be wasting your time you'd turn up what's the point they don't you know they're not about it's brilliant it's like, very good advice I mean otherwise people might have done that you know there was a very very limited and mostly disorganised postal service back in those days quite frankly it just you know sometimes you just got to quit whilst you're ahead instead there it goes it's off find out here's in an email years. for you sire <laughs> ah yes thank you very much this must be sent to podcast at bigfinish.com uh, oh, it's from Matthew Rose. Yes, he sent this one in the year 659. Uh-huh. Would you believe the subject is suggestions? Um, well, I don't know about that. We'll have to see. Hello, Nikki and Benji again. <laughs> How dare you call me Nikki? Me and my wife. Uh, by the time you read this, you would have heard Caddock Point and Peladon, Wibbly Wobbly, Timey Wimey. I love the way that's just a row of like the red line underneath to saying everything is spelt wrong there <laughs> apart from wobbly which remains intact i felt that was important to state uh, firstly have you seen the magnificent cover 
uh, doing the round on social media of the 10th Doctor and Charlotte Pollard. It's something that could potentially be a great follow-up when Charlotte Pollard 3 appears out of the mists of time. Have you seen it? It's uh, very good. There's a link it's attached here. Let's have a look. It's very good. Oh, that's splendid, isn't it? I like splendid! That. I love that. I love that. Um, secondly, uh, Sarah Jane and Liz Shaw meets... Question mark. Mm-hmm. I remember Death of the Doctor mentioning Liz casually was on the moon base for Unit and she didn't say that she didn't know her. Considering we had Liz and Joe meet, it would be great for these two to also meet considering the chemistry between Sadie and Daisy. It would be wonderful. Maybe the third Doctor Adventures Volume 11, uh, since, of course, uh, you must have something planned for this set later this year. Oh, well, yeah, I'm mean, actually, uh, we certainly have, and um, the script is underway, and uh, there's uh, already planning going into the Volume 11. They, I mean, they will be identified as numbers on the website and on the spine, but we'll be identifying them by a, a title now because you know it's quite difficult to sell something when you say ah it's number 11 you think oh god i mean you know what i mean it's uh it's who, who wants to watch fast and furious 13 or whatever you just think well it's too much too much <laughs> um too too much too much whereas if it's fast and furious the exploding car i might watch that uh, but anyway, yeah, so it would have to be for v- volume 12, contradicting myself. Uh, I think it's a lovely idea. Yeah, I could, I could run with that one. Absolutely. Well, we've got another question here, um, and it's a question that has popped up before. Mm. Uh, finally, the Jodie Whittaker era in Big Finish. Now, I know you lot have been uh, threading her with tidbit references to the likes of Stranded and Masterful, even the most uh, obvious one, uh, The Diary of River Song. Uh, have you, Mr. Briggs, asked Jodie to join the ever-growing family? Uh-huh. I know that you've worked with her a bit, and given that there is now a gap where the Doctor and Yaz are on their own, and the recent special has wiggle room for content, is this something you're working on, or something that you would like to do when the rights are available? Have a great week, and thank you once more for reading. There we go. <laughs> reading, there we go. I was well. I was. I was expecting a name underneath, but then it said your name, and I thought, hold on a minute. That was Nick. from Matthew. That was from Matthew Rose. Um, well, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, we want to do as much of Doctor Who as we can, and um, but each era of Doctor Who is is a, there's a new negotiation with the BBC for. Uh, uh, an advance you know uh, typically when you get the rights for something in any context you not only pay a percentage to the rights holder but you calculate how much you're likely or they calculate more often how much they think you're likely to make and they ask you to pay you know a hefty advance so it's just working out all that sort of stuff and um, I did ask Jodie actually when I was working on what I didn't know was called Eve of the Daleks then, because it didn't have a title until about a week beforehand, but the the broadcast, um, or maybe two weeks or three. Um, but, uh, uh, and because uh, I was talking to Mandip about audiobooks, she said, oh yeah, you do all that stuff, don't you? And she was, at the time, Mandip was saying she was doing a lot of recording at home, you know, and, and stuff. And and uh, I think Jodie had done some recording at home for something else at that point and was talking about it. And I said, well, you know, you should, you guys should come and do a big finish, he said, taking... And they, <laughs> they sort of, oh, 
you know, because <laughs> you, you can't ask artists that sort of thing. And uh, I mean, when I asked Matt Smith on two different occasions, he said, I would love to do that. But uh, he's yet to materialise in our studios. But he, he gave me very clear intentions that it's something he would one day want to come and do. Um, but of course, that is not a contractual remark by me <laughs> or him. Um, but uh, I think Jodie was, I'm not sure how aware she was of Big Finish, but she didn't say, shut up, you stupid man. I'd never do something like that. So I'm taking that as a definite maybe. <laughs> well, you know, like all these things, I suppose, when you've been the doctor for, for a few years and that, you probably want to go off and do something a bit different and just, just you know, put, put your finger in a few different pies. And Definitely. Maybe one yeah. day come back and say, do you know what? That was such a lovely time in my life. I'd like to do a bit more of that. And, you know, you, you get you get things like David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston popping in to, and all of our classic doctors. Yeah. I mean, David you know, Tennant made it clear to me that he always would eventually do them, you know. He said, yeah. even when he was doing it on the television, he said something about, oh, well, you know. And I said, oh, is that something you, you definitely consider? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, when the time's right kind of thing. And, of course, that happened. So in- right. Interesting enough, I, I, I never... I chatted a lot with Peter Capaldi because we're similar ages and similarly potty about Doctor Who. And he... Um, it, we never we never talked about it actually he was certainly aware of big finish and i i actually encountered a big finish thing with with peter actually at one point yeah uh, in the sense that i was at the doctor who festival at the big finish shop at the time uh it was just before the doors had opened and he oh, was yeah. he was going around and he was him and uh, jenna were, were going around and he did come over and he was looking and he was picking up a few releases and having oh. a look and he, and he turned to me and he, he said he said yes sir I expect this is where I'll be one day, won't I? And then <laughs> laughed and then carried on. And that was what I remember saying, obviously, you know. That sounds like re- that things will have gone so downhill that they'll have to be in a big finish. <laughs> it sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? But, but, but no, I think you did mean it in like a nice way. Like, I, like I'm the doctor. I expect I'll be next to the others up here. It was, it was nice. You know, yeah, he was. He was and then there very was a, positive. Yes. And there was a report wasn't there in the somewhere or other that he'd said you know i think it's wrong the way old doctors keep turning up in places like big finish or something like that and oh, he really yeah yeah but he he made his agent contact me to tell him he had not said that uh, he said you know they yeah, said yeah. they said you know peter's very concerned that you think he would say something that you might possibly think he had actually said that you know and i sent yeah, a message back saying no i know you'd never say anything like that peter so because yeah. he didn't appear when I saw him and the way that he was looking at everything, he was looking at it like a fan. He was yeah, looking at, yeah. I, I remember him, you know, looking at things like, like, you know, the Tom Baker CDs and Peter Davidson. So I remember looking at it and looking interested. So I, I can't imagine that he would, and, and quite, I just can't imagine that he would, would have those opinions. So No, I, I'd know. love it, us to work with him. You know, he's a really, you know, as a fellow Doctor Who fan, I'd, I would, I'd love to work with him and his enthusiasm. He's just, you know, uh, because we had that opening gambit and when we first worked we worked on Torchwood together uh, Children of yes, Earth and yes, that's where we did, met yeah. and you know he treated me like I was the celebrity because I was the voice of the Daleks and I was about to go up to him and say oh my name's Nick it's really lovely to meet you and work with you uh, you know and he was he was lovely and we, we just gossiped about Doctor Who throughout the whole shoot you know and we got driven to him from the set in the same car and chatted about stuff you know I think we spoke about Genesis of the Daleks more than we spoke about uh, Torchwood to be quite <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having you know on the uh, what was that one uh, Into the Dalek 
I remember we had a lot of uh, chats about um, Tom Baker's Doctor and also, uh, oh, that's right, Death to the Daleks. We had a huge conversation about at the read-through for his first block. You know, oh, good guy. And then he people was, were trying to sort taste. of escort him away from me. <laughs> and he went, no, 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 this is interesting. <laughs> and then they made him go away. But then he came back and he said, I'll come back. I want to talk about this. And I thought, that's very nice oh. of him to say so. Obviously, he's just being polite. But 10 minutes later, he was like, right, I got that out of the way. Anyway, what were we saying about Death to the Daleks? You know, it was uh, genuinely delightful. Well, I mean, I, mean I, I just think, you know, we seeing those great photos of you, Mark Gatiss and Peter with that jacket from Planet of the Daleks, <laughs> with him wearing said jacket as yeah, well. Yeah. I, I feel I feel like you you absolutely cannot give up in on life until you have a story with Peter Capaldi's Doctor going to Spyrodon and doing something there. It has to happen. I, he's worn he's worn that that jacket. He's contractually obliged to, to go back to Spyrodon now. Yeah, I, do, I mean, have I? Uh... Have I, pu- have I publicly said the story? Because I can't see any reason why not to. I think you have publicly said it. We yeah. showed you the photos. Yeah, but the whole so business of why we had the jacket there. That I, I think you have explained it before. Because yeah, Mark- I would say we might as well go for re- it. Rehash well, it. Yeah. Fast forward about three minutes, if you. <laughs> uh, Mark Gatiss and and Peter Capaldi wanted to convince. Stephen Moffat that it was okay to have that jacket which really was Pertwee's jacket that Mark Gatiss had bought at auction I think um, on the set during Peter's regeneration scene and uh, and I just happened to be around and they because Peter and Mark kind of gave each other a little wink said it's now <laughs> and they said Stephen come come with us and I sort of stepped back as if to say well you know off go the important and Mark being Mark said no Briggsy you come too <laughs> <laughs> so he, yeah and we and we were in there all trying out it was the lovely bit when Peter Capaldi looked at me he said I think Nicholas would like to try this on as well <laughs> you know? Stephen refused to. Um, um, uh, yeah, and then and then they said, "Can we? Can it be on the set?" And uh, Steve sort of just rolled his eyes and kind of, oh, dear. and we had to convince the uh, the director, Rachel Tallalay, was absolutely fine about it. It was the continuity lady was a bit like, oh, "It wasn't in the earlier bit, you know," and all this. Sorry. And, but uh, and Rachel said, "It'll be fine. It's in. It's dark there anyway, you know, and all that." <laughs> so yeah, so it is. Yeah, I'm, I have told this story before. <laughs> oh dear. I love it, though. I love it. It makes me very happy. Uh, yeah, Peter Capaldi, Jodie Whittaker would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, please. Next up, um, Daniel Hughes writes in uh, in the year 0938. Everyone writing quite early in the morning, actually. About the Rani. Hello, Nick and Benji. I hope you're both well. Some weeks ago, a fellow listener wrote in regarding the rights regarding 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 the use of the Rani, which I understand is a challenge following the death of Pip and Jane Baker, correct? Particularly who to turn to about getting the rights. I have a suggestion. Who may be able to help? Sorry, I can't help but laugh at this. Some years ago, Kate O'Mara had recorded a Rani audio story for BBV Productions called The Rani Reaps the Whirlwind. I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a minute. Which I understand Pip and Jane wrote. That's true. And BBV have recently released a novelisation of the story, which I assume they were able to get the rights to release the book. So I assume Bill Bags might be able to help. You see, it's the idea that you assume that uh, BBV might have got the rights to do it. (laughs) Is is what I'm laughing at. Perhaps that says enough. Anyway, um, I hope this helps, and hopefully we'll uh, 
get to get some more Rani content soon as I feel she's one of Doctor Who's underused Time Lord villains. Yeah, that that route will prove fruit, fruitless, I can tell you that now. Uh, but, you know, we'll find a way, don't you worry. Uh, looking forward to the goodness Big Finish brings in 2022. Kind regards and stay safe, Daniel. Stay safe, Daniel. This is Stafe. Stafe, Dan. Stay safe, Daniel. That's his new nickname. Stay safe, Daniel. Well, we've got one more here from Adam Graham. Oh, here sent we go. To, uh, the year 0152. <laughs> Very early, yeah. More people need to get some sleep or, you know, or wake up later. Uh, Dear Nick and Benji, (laughs) I had a question about the first Doctor's exciting scheduled new adventure against his deadly foe, Title TBA. Is the TBA, the terrible Brontosaurus Association, tyrannical boastonists of Australia, botanists, botanists, uh, botanists, sorry, uh, typewritten biohazards anonymous, (laughs) tight-belted androids, tired, bitter anchormen, Texan and bedazzled anthropologists... Uh, Those are all superb titles, aren't they? They certainly are. Yeah, I particularly like, yeah, yeah, tired, bitter like. anchor men. There's quite a few of those on television, I think. <laughs> tyrannical botanists. I'm sure any botanist will tell you that there are tyrannical botanists out there. Of course, I really uh, know what TBA means. You know what TBA means. The British people know what TBA means. Tyrannical Baker Airlines. <laughs> yes, will I? <laughs> will you sit down in that chair? Um... Uh, no, it's it's really to be announced. Yes. Obviously, there's a lot of details we worked out. Uh, what can you tell us about the set? Will it feature David Bradley as the Doctor or Peter Purvis? Is April a release fairly certain? Please elucidate. Elucidate. Oh right. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll elucidate now. I'll just do my little speech about how we release. <laughs> News. One day, I you see, we release information at a particular time to get the maximum amount of coverage. So me maximum leaking power. any information about it to you now would spoil that and mean that the range won't be publicised um, as much as we'd like it to and, and not enough people will pre-order it, which is vital to us. Um, so I'm, uh, I won't answer any of those things but yeah i'll say this the april release date is more than fairly certain you know i'm listening to edits now um yeah that everything's well in time to be out on the published release date there are no hiccups at all <laughs> it sounded like there were and i was covering up anyway there are <laughs> there are no problems i don't know why everybody's getting so uptight about it i'm not i'm not um no <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, what do you mean? There's a problem. <laughs> what do you mean the house is on fire? That's a lie. It's an absolute lie. Put it out. <laughs> Why are your trousers made of ash? Um, on an absolutely, totally unrelated okay, note, yes. uh, I, I noticed the Ninth Doctor Adventures release schedule. Yes. Uh, when I read the news, I had to about Christopher Eccleston signing on for one more and how we get four box sets in 22 and 23, 2022, 2023. I imagine we'd be getting two box sets per year. Imagine my delight okay. when I saw that you've got quarterly releases set for May, August and November of this year and February of uh, 2023. With that box set, Eccleston would have done nearly twice as much Doctor Who on audio for Big Finish as he did on television. That is, I can't help myself, fantastic. Uh, best regards, Adam Graham. Oh, it's a lovely observation there, Adam. Thank you. 
Pleasure to serve. Pleasure yeah, to serve. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it for the emails this week. Keep them coming, folks. Keep them coming. The Randomoid Selects John will be returning in a few minutes' time, giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. What will it be? What will it be? Well, you'll have to find out. But it's not on fire. Nothing is on fire here. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> but before that, it's time for... Also available this week beneath Summerfield, the slender-fingered cats of Bubastis. It wasn't true that you could see the cats from space. It was impossible, a ridiculous idea that wouldn't stand up to even the slightest examination. And yet, there were those on Bubastis who believed it. The biggest of the five cats was just over 100 feet tall, the smallest around 70. They sat on their haunches, heads held high, and stared out across the endless swamps. Over the centuries, a handful of ships stopped by bringing visitors from other planets. No one on Bubastis had ever been to the stars. The travellers took pictures and made notes. They examined the primitive carving of the cat's deep, slanted eyes, their inscrutable smiles and the single insect that appeared beneath each mouth. They wondered at the slender fingers which extended in two rows from their front paws, one long row and one short, like the keys of a piano. They cursed at the incredible diversity and sheer volume of insect life that called Bubastis home. They didn't stay long. Hello, my name's Lisa Bowerman, and I am playing, or have played, or are playing, Bernie Summerfield. Um, my connection with Bernie Summerfield goes back, really, quite a long way. Um, it was actually the very first project that Big Finish ever, star um, ever did. The company started with Bernie Summerfield, and I'm amazed to say that I've been playing her for 23 years. And what's interesting here with uh, doing the audiobooks is that it's filling in some of the gaps that I missed when I was doing the plays, so it's been quite entertaining. In terms of the script for, rather not the script, the audiobook of the wonderfully titled The Slender-Fingered Cats of Bubastis, that's a great title. It's a really great read. It was a great story. Um, it's all about, I mean, it, it deals with archaeology. It's about how you treat what's around you. It's also about chancers and charlatans, which I also found very entertaining. Some of the characters in it, you, you almost recognised the ones who are out for themselves, who manipulate a situation, and who who target in on not only the most suggestible type of people, but the most vulnerable. And in that case, it was students um, who, were, who were drawn into, you know, being either wealthy and famous or just famous and wealthy. So it, it was a great, it was a great, very easy read. It also conjured up the most wonderful environment um, on the planet with all those insects. And uh, you can just you can just feel it. It was um, it was summed up very, very well. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Bubastis, B-U-B-A-S-T-I-S. Easy, isn't it? Into the search pane at the top to catch up with this latest Benny audiobook adventure. Well, we're just minutes away from our 15-minute drama tease of The Lone Centurion Camelot. It's only a model. But first...
It's the Randomoid Selectatron, offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Okay, what have we got? Random. Doctor Who, uh, The Moons of Volpana. Oh, right. Emma Reeves, yeah. I listened to this one at the gym, I seem to recall. Did uh, it help? For some reason. Uh, no, nothing can help me at the gym. <laughs> I also watched, I also watched um, what was that dreadful television series we watched on the Benji Nick show? Oh. Time thing in the Bobby, the detectives one with the... It was dreadful. Crime Traveller. Crime Traveller. I watched that on a treadmill down the gym. That was that didn't help. Made either. you run away. Oh it yeah. Did. So this was part of a trilogy that had Mags in with uh, Jessica Martin as Mags. It's you know a Doctor Who monthly range release. Uh, Emma Reeves, of course, a massively uh, accomplished writer of televisual delights, and so it was an amazing feat to to get her. She's got amazing feet. Sorry, Sorry, Emma. What am I talking about? And Jessica (laughs) Martin, brilliant to get her back in the role. She was really up for it. We'd worked with her a few years before in another part. And then I I think, I don't know who it was. Uh, David Richardson might have said, hey, hold on. If she'd do that, maybe she'd come back and play her her old part. And it was great, great fun, I think. It all came out jolly well and uh, directed by Samuel Clemens. I think maybe one of his first Doctor Who's. He directed, he's now directing and producing The Avengers, a rather good fit because his father, Brian Clemens, was one of the original producers of The Avengers as well. See? Did you see? Did you see? Anyway, um, we haven't played the trailer, have we? Here it is. The four moons of Volpana. Four bright sisters dancing the night. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Moons of Volpana. The moons reduce us all to the level of beasts. We Vulpanans will never be at peace until we can withstand their influence. Listen again, boys. That's the pure blood of female. One of our own is in danger. <laughs> if she's truly one of our own, she is the danger. What did you mean by pure blood? The breeding is unmistakable. Here on Vulpana, breeding is the only thing of any real importance. The Moon Day Festival. There will be a moonlit soiree, games and hunting. Do you think I should stay here? Is that why we came? She's behaving like a wild animal, but she looks human-like. But why? Nobody knows. It just happens sometimes. It's been happening more and more. I will rip your throat out. I will kill you! Stop it! Stop it, Max! This isn't you! This is me. We're surrounded. Dozens of them. Big Finish. We love stories. As above, so below. People ruled not by each other, but by the moons themselves. There we are. Uh, anything to add, Benji? Uh, no, uh, my dog just jumped up on my lap. Yeah. And, uh, Write that down, stroke. everyone. You can hear it in the microphone when, you, when you're editing this, Nick. You'll hear a dog going, <laughs> making lots of weird Oh, noises. great. I look forward to yeah, that. I mean, yeah, it'd be it's... like... <clears throat> Are you all right? Oh my God, he's on fire! He's not on fire. I just went to drink some water and I finished. I finished the blooming glass, so that's really annoying, isn't it? <clears throat> it's always one, isn't it? And um, while I uh, email Jackie Emery mm. at Big Finish yes. to make sure she knows which release to attach to the offer, um, or to the offer too, uh, which of you is as clear as mud? This isn't it, Benji? Would you like to explain? Um, you know how, how to how, how to, to get, get it? it. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, I will. Yes. Uh, you go to bigfinish.com 
On there, there's a menu. Go to podcasts. On that, you'll be brought to a page which has the latest podcasts from Big Finish. There, mm-hmm. you click read more. Down there, it will say just click here and enter the code Buck Up. That's B U C K U P, all capital letters, no spaces, uh, no places, <laughs> no maces, um, no medieval weapons is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair um, right, yeah. None of those. Enter the code in there and you will get your discount. It's so simple. Great way to get a bit of money off and a great way to build up your collection. You are welcome. Right, I'll just. Uh do a dance uh, because we're doing the podcast a little late Jackie had already emailed me so where is it (laughs) where is it you fool right um, thanks Ran for defying the universal laws of chance again Um, we'll be back next week with a podcast entitled Annihilated Survivors which features the latest third Doctor adventure hotly anticipated by me because I wrote and directed it and featuring both the second and third Doctors, exclamation mark, plus exclamation mark, Survivor's New Dawn 2 will be coming out. So we'll, we'll be featuring that too. I mean, I feel like the Annihilators means that, you know, if Heather's available, we should get her back, shouldn't we, to talk about that? So Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Heather? She's, she's, I know she's listening she's to She's saying, this. oh, no, she's li- no she's not you li- guys, li- no. <laughs> She's listening, I know she is. Uh, so anyway, uh, drop me a message. Drop me a WhatsApp, Heather, if you've heard this. We'd love you to come back on to talk about the Annihilators. Aye, I mean, we won't. We don't, you don't have to stay for the whole podcast this time if you don't want to. If you do want to, that's fine too. It's up to if you. you. Don't just pop in, have a cup of tea, then head off before the ram. Go the back to see Bob the dog. Yeah, Bob the dog, the builder. Uh, time now, of course, to thank you all once again for listening and continuing to support our audio endeavours. Please, whatever you do, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and pass the word around about Big Finish mm. for the love of stories. Oh, I love those stories. Ah, oh, they're marvellous. Goodbye. Time now for The Lone Centurion, Volume 2. Camelot. It's only a model. A model. Hey, how's my gorgeous fiancé this morning? (sighs) I brought you a drink. I mean, it's my drink, but my drinks always become your drinks, along with my chips and my (laughs) t-shirts. Anyway, how was your day? Still locked in a box? Yeah, no, you're right, that was a stupid question. And yes, Pandorica is a stupid name for a prison. It sounds like a terrible nightclub. Uh, At least I would have a one in my own policy. So, uh, good news. Found somewhere for us to stay, and it's not in England, so that will make you happy. It's not Scotland, sorry, but it is Camelot. The Camelot, which it turns out is in Wales. Haven't met the King or the Queen, and Merlin isn't around, so you're not missing much. Apart from me. Mm. Oh, I have got a new job. Well... Yeah, it's technically my old job, but still, apprentice to the court physician of Camelot. Pay is rubbish and basically peasant. Thousands of years in the past and nurses are still underpaid. It means I can be closer to you though, so that's good. And you, know, you never know, I might meet some of the famous knights. Uh, but um, Lancelot. Uh, or the green one and 
yeah, the other, the other knights, the other ones. Right, uh, well, I, I better get going. Camelot needs me. with Harold II and his father, I challenged Harold to a duel for the sigil, but as soon as he accepted my challenge, he unleashed 11 wyvern. No, no one's going to believe 11. Ah! Oh, I can hardly tell them the spineless coward stole my horse and tried to gut me from behind. Three wyvern. Who goes there? Oh, too late. Tis I, friend. Sir Lancelot, covered in glory ah, and treasure. Open the gate. Ah. Oh. Oh. Tell the king I have succeeded in my quest. Ah. The golden sigil of Elethorn. Back in Camelot, where it should be. Sir, you're injured. Oh, small souvenir from uh, a trio of wyvern. It is quite the story. I was dining in the court of Harold II and his father, Harold II Senior, when... Sir, we should take you to Malthus. When, instead of giving me another round of ale, they presented me with three wyvern. Oh, sounds delicious, sir. Perhaps we might They weren't dead. They tried to eat me. Oh, mark the day, for it is the day that Sir Lancelot on his own slew three accursed beasts and every man called Harold II. Oh, there can't be more than two of them. In recognition of my triumph, oh, the people gave me the sigil for the glory of... Get Malthus, meet us at Sir Lancelot's chambers. At once. Of... of... Three wyvern. Oh. <laughs> uh, very brave of you, sir. Hold the poultice on the wound. It will help combat the infection. Well, it didn't help the guard brought in last week. There are other options we could try. Boy, while I admire the confidence in your medical knowledge, the fact that you believe it surpasses my own is beginning to great. <laughs> Malthus, is it true? Uh, uh, yes, Your Majesty, I, I'm afraid it is. Majesty? That's Guinevere. Not now, boy. How is he? He has lost a lot of blood. We will do what we can to stave off infection, but if we cannot, I will have to take the leg. But the wound is on his back. His humors are out of balance. The removal of the leg will help correct that. Is there no other way? It is either his leg or his life. Uh, Silence, well, boy. <clears throat> if 
Merlin over here. There might be a more unorthodox solution, but I am confident that medicine will prevail while magic is absent. My apprentice here will keep the pressure applied until I return at sunrise. I will be in a better position to assess the full extent of the injuries then. Of course. Thank you, Malthus. I will stay with him. Lancelot has done the crown many a service in his time. We cannot abandon him in his hour of need. Your wisdom, as ever, Your Majesty, outshines us all. Good night. Oh, you glorious fool. What happened to you? Just pretend I'm not here. I assure you, I haven't given you a single thought. Good. Great. Keep doing that. Was that an instruction? No, no, not at all. It was a... um, A a uh, thought that shouldn't have escaped your lips. Sounds about right. Did they tell you what happened? The guard was raving about wyverns. Apparently he killed three of them. You don't sound impressed. I don't know what they are. They're a type of dragon. Killing one is a feat of immense skill and heroism. To slay three in a single battle has never been done before. (laughs) He's lucky he wasn't killed. What are you doing? You were instructed to keep that on all night. Yes, well, I will do. I just need to clean and stitch the wound. For which you have brought your own water? Is it different from our own? Is it holy? Hmm? It's, uh, it, it, uh, <clears throat> it's uh, a, a, a medical elixir extracted from potatoes. It sterilises the wound. Which will balance his humours? Sure, kind of. He'll get to keep his legs. Uh, then proceed. Oh. He wakes. Uh, where? Gently now. You need to rest. Hang on. What did I do to wait to such beauty? I couldn't leave you. Oh, my lady, you are here. Uh, yes, I am most... Just a whiff of this. Uh. You revive him only to disable him again. He needs to sleep. And I need to stitch the wound. Uh, forgive me, your highness. But your presence is required in the throne room. I am tending to one of the most valiant knights. What possibly could drag me away from such a task? Merlin has returned. They thought they could challenge my authority, Merlin. Me? I'm the king. To challenge King Arthur and the might of Camelot is the of folly, sire. I'm certain they will rule the day. Merlin, deepest apologies that I was not here to greet you. Lancelot has been injured, and I was tending to his needs. It's no trouble, your highness. His majesty was just telling me the tale. Five wyvern? As many as that? He's lucky not to have suffered further. Still, the golden sigil of Elethorn is back where it belongs in the vaults of Camelot. I'm sure Lancelot is proud to do his part in reclaiming treasures we should have owned in the first instance. If required, I can see if there is anything I can do to speed his recovery. Mm. Malthus and his apprentice seem to have the matter under control. How pleasing it is to hear so. In that case, there is 
nothing to delay me from the grave matter that has brought me home. Has Le Fay returned? Not that I'm aware of. But we must always be on our guard against that sorcerer's influence, and my new discovery is sure to draw her attention. <laughs> Word has reached me that a dangerous artifact has been smuggled into Camelot. What kind of object? A box, Your Majesty, the size of a hut. An arcane weapon that is supposed to contain the power of a divine trickster. We cannot allow it to fall into enemy hands. If someone like Le Fay were to... But of course, the entire castle guard is at your disposal. It can't be hard to find something as big as a hut, even if it is magical. His majesty is too kind. But advise the guards to be cautious. The box has a guardian. Some kind of magical defender? A centurion. <clears throat> a mere soldier. Against the combined might of Camelot. <laughs> it shall be in the treasury by the next setting of the sun. No one has managed to claim it from him yet. Whatever you require, you shall have. Quite so. All of our strength is yours, as yours has helped us over the years. Thank you. I will start immediately. You will be joining us for the feast, of course. A feast, my lord? What feast would that be? To honour your return. It is a momentous occasion. Your Majesty flatters me, but I should not be deterred from my search. If he thinks the threat is pressing, perhaps it would be best to leave him to it? Surely if this box is as large as you claim and your talent so magnificent, you should have found it by tomorrow's eve. I will endeavour to not disappoint His Majesty. Then get to it. <sighs> Come, my love. Oh, this evening has already had enough excitement. We should return to bed before fresh events deprive us of sleep entirely. Right, Lancelot. Sorry I left. I had to... Uh, Lancelot? Ah. Wretched, ungrateful little weasel. Just Rory's fine. No, Rory isn't fine. Rory is a wretched, ungrateful little weasel who can't do what he's told. Rory is going to explain why I walked past Lancelot training this morning and how Lancelot isn't in bed. What did you do to him, boy? Just like you told me to. I held the poultice on his wound. Proper medical procedure. Oh, is that so? Then why does he still have both legs? You're really good at medicine. And why does the poultice rest on the bedside table, as opposed to being in your hand? Ah, yes. Uh, you got me there. Uh, I, I, I thought it was working, so I, I, put it, I put it down. I should put you down. It is as though he was healed by magic. Are you a sorcerer, boy? Absolutely not. I can't even get card tricks right. Hmm. The news has spread that Merlin returned late last night. Perhaps he visited and set things straight while my assistant slept. Merlin? Actual Merlin? Does he have a pointy hat? Uh, and a cloak covered in stars? What are stars? Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, they're like the sun. 
but uh, there's, uh, there's more of them. You see more than one son. Have you been at the bottle? Not while I'm working. I see very little evidence to support that notion. By all rights, I should dismiss you back to whatever hovel of a village you came from. But you're not going to? Sir Lancelot insists that he will only accept treatment from you. I cannot fathom the reasoning behind it, but there we are. He's down in the training grounds. Right. Well, best be off then. Sorry again about the effective medicine. I'll make sure it takes the proper time to work in the future. Mark my words, boy. I don't know what you've done to charm your way into the good graces of Sir Lancelot, but I intend to find out. Hi, Lancelot. Uh, Sir Lancelot, or, or is it just Lancelot? For you, it can be whatever you desire. What should I call you? Ah, just Rory's fine. Is there a reason you haven't got a top on? Oh, it is not my armour that requires your restorative touch, but my body. Good point. What's the problem? Oh, oh, broken stitches. I was teaching the new recruits how to parry when I felt the wound reopen. Oh. I wondered if it was because my muscles were too large. That's no, the movement that'll do it. Nothing to do with how big you are. Oh. All right, hold still. This is going to hurt. 